All right, all right. We are live. Welcome, <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the David Kamina Show. And guys, I got to admit, this is going to be special. It's a special occasion when we have a multimillionaire in the house that is going to share that knowledge, how he made his millions, how to build generational wealth in our community, the black and brown community. You know, I, I met lunch. I had lunch with this brother um, about two weeks ago, Cedric, about, right around a couple of weeks ago. Right. Yeah, that's right. And I was so impressed, so impressed with not only what he's doing, but what he's willing to share. You know, he's an open guy, open book, really solid guy. I, I just had to bring him on to the show to introduce him to you guys. Cedric Nash, please come up. Tell me, tell us a little bit about your background and some of the things that you're doing in, the, in our community to build generational wealth. Yes, David, thank you very much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Um, we had a great lunch <clears throat> and I didn't even have to pay for it. <laughs> so, I told you I'm gonna get. I'm, I'm doing uh, uh, steak and lobster. I'm doing the steak and lobster. You, you, you had soup. I want steak and lobster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so no. Um, yeah, my background is I started a company uh, about 25 years ago called Oakland Consulting, and we do technology consulting. And I got a couple of brands that I run under that with 90 million in revenue and 300 employees. And over those past 25 years, I invested in real estate invested in security stocks and bonds, invested in private equity and other companies, kind of developed kind of a formula for, you know, what, what makes great investments. And, you know, didn't know too many people that uh, had, yeah, had read, read many books, but could not really find the true answers in terms of what return on investments should I look for, you know, where to get capital. And I had, you know, the pleasure of having four millionaire mentors, three which were black, one which was white that poured into me and shaped my mindset. And as a result, um, I, I got to Destination Millionaire and Beyond and continue moving forward with it. And as a way to pay it forward, you know, this is what I've done. I've written books and I've got my social media platform and other things I'm doing in the community so that uh, we can create more black millionaires in the future. So you said that you... Um, in your bio, you mentioned that you got your first million early on, right? That was one of your yeah. destinations right out of college. Yeah, yeah. So in college, two, two days before I graduated from college, I developed a plan. And it's so kind of funny how you do things a long time ago and it kind of moves forward. But I, I developed this plan and, and within seven years, I became a millionaire. And so some people say, well, how did you do that? You know, I graduated a little late, so I was 25 because I went through ROTC and did some co-op stuff. But, um, you know, it, it primarily came from my investment in real estate. I, I started a little business while I was in college, raised enough money to buy my first condominium right out of college. I bought a condo out of college uh, um, in the not as greatest neighborhood because I was a young guy and I had just about $7,000. But I didn't want to move into an apartment. It was the mindset that my millionaire mentor set inside of me to keep your money working for you. So I bought that apartment, uh, condo building, and, and a couple of years later, I found my way to buy a house, saved more money, kept saving money, bought a house, living very frugally. And then a few years later after that, I built a house. And when I built that house, the value of that house uh, up in the Oakland Hills area kind of soared beyond uh, you know a million dollars up to two million. At the same time, I created a business and the combination of my business and the combination of that house had my net worth of over $1.5 million at the age of 32 years old. 
And although I was at Destination Millionaire, I couldn't hang up my cleats. I couldn't sit back because I realized that having a million and a half was not enough, that I had to keep moving. I was at least uh, could declare that I was a millionaire, but I wasn't financially independent. And that's where I had to continue on until I uh, got to that point. Now, your business, you said you, you're the CEO of Oakland Consulting, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that business. And is that the one that you started uh, yes. right after? Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah, well, I started my business uh, in 1997 uh, after working a couple of years for Deloitte and Tuition Ernst & Young as a consultant. I decided to take the skills that I learned in those firms and start my own business. And um, so, um, you know, it was a rough start. I started uh, with my own capital. I was initially a partner in a German firm and they took the partnership away from me because I hadn't signed all my paperwork and and. You know, it was like, you know, and, and I realized my paperwork was inferior. I read it. I talk about this in my book, had an attorney review it. Thanks to one of my other millionaire mentors, Chuck, Chuck, uh, Chuck, uh, um, Chuck James. And so I didn't sign the paperwork. And so as a result, they decided to take it away from me. So at the same time, I was married, had, you know, twin boys. And I actually had a third one on the way in the middle of building this multi-million dollar house that I was talking talking about. And I decided to start all over again, right? And so it was extremely scary, extremely lonely, uh, but I started my business. And, you know, sometimes when those kind of things happen, they either kind of propel you forward or some people get paralyzed by fear and do nothing and they go back. But I, I, I stuck out there and, and I'm so glad that I did because now, you know, 25 years later, you know, 90 million in revenue, and, uh, you know, 300 employees later, you know, I'm in a much better place and I'm glad that I, that, that I stuck it out. But yeah, that was my business. My business focused on enterprise application systems, implementing software for large enterprises, companies like uh, Panasonic, Nabisco. Um, and then later on, the federal government started using the software. So we started supporting the U.S. Army, the Navy, uh, Defense Logistics Agency and other agencies. So. Uh, that same software that I started working on, you know, many years ago, back in 1993, I'm still making money off of it. Still eating off of it, huh? Still eating off of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we have our first question. Uh, is it okay if we kind of uh, sprinkle Go in questions? It. Go for it. So Daryl says, how long did it take you to build your team in order to have a solid platform? Yeah, it took several years to build a, a solid team. And what happens is it was almost like, you know, when, when I built my business, I was the player coach. So I was coaching the business and being a player at the same time. And so those transitions happened over time. So initially I was the only sales guy and I was a consultant out in the business and I hired some support staff. So I immediately hired an administrative assistant and some recruiters to kind of help me find talent as I was going out and finding work for my business. And so that transition, and that, that to give you an idea, I started that in 1997. It wasn't until around 2001 uh, that I was able to pull myself away from actually being on contract to where I was saying, okay, I'm not going to be a contractor no more. I am going to just focus on selling. Mm -hmm. And that was a scary transition because when you're on contract, you develop a, a really great deep relationship with your client. And you're not worried about your consultants kind of going amok in your client site because you're there. Right. So when you pull yourself out of the client site, it could be a little scary. And I had a few challenges, you know, in that transition. But I what, knew it was time for me to do that. 
What year was that? You said early on. Yeah, that, that, that first that 2001, 2001. So I started in 1997. So around 2001, 2002, I was pulling myself out from being on, on client sites. You know, normally I would get myself on a client site, assess the situation, go bring in more consultants that work under my brand and manage that project until we delivered and got into operation support. And then I go to another client. That's kind of how I started. And then after a while, I said, okay, after this one client I had up in Boston, it was Genuity. Um, it was a spinoff of Verizon. After we moved over to the phase where we were just doing operations and support, I moved out and said, I'm just going to focus on sales. I'm not going to build myself out as a consultant. And so that was an interesting and monumental transition uh, because my business needed it. It's like, it's just kind of weird how those things happen. And I made those transitions when I needed it. And then the next transition was years later when I said, okay, I'm not going to just do sales. I'm going to bring in a sales team and now I'm going to be the CEO, so to speak. So that happened probably around 2012, you know, took that long around 2010 to 2012. And then I started bringing salespeople and account managers in the business. And then now I'm in the phase where I've kind of brought in executive leadership to where I'm really more of a shareholder and more of the owner and more of the advisor and not necessarily in the day to day. So that was the journey. I want to spend a little bit more time on this because so many people um, don't want to get started or don't know how to get started or scared of getting started. You mentioned that fresh out of college, you, you bought your condo. I want to make sure I have this progression. You was you 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 married. You got married early. I got married. I got married at 25 right out of college. And you're 27 now, so you know that's two years. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. <laughs> so you got married early. You had kids. Mm -hmm. I had kids. I took I kids when I was 32. So I was married for several years before I had kids. Yeah. But that did not stop you from starting, you know, oh. doing the things that were necessary to get your your career going. Yeah, you know, you, know, you bring up an interesting point. And that point is there's never a perfect time right? There's never a perfect time. There's kind of just your time and everybody else's time, but there's never a perfect time. And trust me, that was not the perfect time, but timing had set, had, had presented itself for me to do it. And I had to, I had to execute and, you know, it was scary. There's no doubt about it here. And not only that, I had a wife who was educated, uh, but, you know, because we had three kids at the time, you know, did not, you know, did not, you know, it didn't make sense for her to go work and have a nanny raise the kids, right? So so she was a stay-at-home mom and I was the only breadwinner. And at the same time, I'm an entrepreneur. I mean, you can't get any more riskier than that. And so it was risky, it was lonely, it was scary, uh, but I persevered and, and, and by the grace of God, I made, made it through it. But at the same time, I was building a brand new house up in the Oakland Hills. I bought some land and built the house. Uh, uh, and when I left my German business partners, I'd already started that project. And so mm -hmm. here I am leaving those guys. Uh, I worked out a deal where they would pay me a portion of the money from my deals on a regular basis while I just jumped. And so sometimes people have a difficult time jumping. I completely understand that. And I respect that. The reality is you'll never fly if you're too afraid to jump. So you got to find a way to jump somehow, some way. And, and, and the reality also is you'll never have all the answers before you jump. 
right? Some people feel like they have to have all the answers right, right. Uh, before they have enough confidence to jump. And I come up with this, I write about this in my book, is that, that your confidence to get you to jump has to be greater than your doubts and your fears or else you'll never jump. They have to be greater than the sum of your doubt and your fears. And why I say that is because when you first set in your mind to do something, the next thought is doubt. Can I really do it? Is it really timing for that? Am I really capable? Do I have all that I need? Doubt is the first thing that comes. And then doubt invites fear to the party because now your doubt, you become consumed with your doubt. And the next thing you know, you become afraid of the things that you doubt. And so in order to kind of push forward and to jump, David, your, your, your confidence and your courage has to be greater than the sum of your doubt and your fears or if you never jump. And I just want to add this other point, too, is that you're never going to know everything that you need to know right. before you jump. It's almost like you imagining yourself on the tallest building in the world and you see people jump off and fly time and time again. And you studied it long enough and you say, wow, I've studied you know, how they've jumped. I've studied their, their velocity. I've studied how long they've fallen before they took off. And then now you have to have the courage to say, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to have the confidence that says that I'm going to figure out how to fly before I splatter to the ground. And that's Figure just what it is. Yeah. Fi yeah. Figuring out how to fly. And that's why your book and you, you give us the blueprint on that. Right. Yes. yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So those steps that you've outlined in your book. Briefly, let's kind of, you know, uh, give us a little bit of, of what we're looking at. And I think also there's a fear to start, but then there's a expectation of immediate success. Mm -hmm. um, could you speak to that and let us what what because it took you even seven years or so to kind of do the prep work. But you were on that path for the, for the entire that. time. Yeah, you know, I have this thing I say often is that becoming a millionaire is not hard. It's just slow, right? It's just slow. And you're dealing with all the obstacles that life has or life will throw at you. Mm -hmm. And you're navigating them and you're blocking them and you're pushing forward despite all those obstacles. So it's not hard. It's just slow. And a lot of times people quit because it's slow and it can be often painful because you are sacrificing, you are suffering. Right. You're dealing with things that are uncomfortable and you have to find a way to forge forward. And so that's why it's so important that you have, number one, a really good plan and a realistic plan based on your research and based on conversations and mentorships from others. Right. So I relied heavily on my mentorship of my millionaire mentors. I asked them questions after questions. I called them. I would not stop. And so you have to kind of surround yourself around what I call jumpers, people who've actually done it and people who've done it successfully and people who've done it well. And to be able to pick their brain and ask them every kind of question you can answer, you can potentially come up with, you know, because that team is so, so important and they were definitely important for me. So, um, so yeah. Is that the reason why you feel you, you have this urge or, or this desire to give back? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. They poured so much into me that it is my responsibility. And anybody who, and not just mine, any, any other brother, any other person who 
were blessed to have mentors pour into them. It is our responsibility to pour it and to pay it forward. You know, that's what they instilled into me and not do it for fee, not do it, you know, to enrich in yourself, you know, do it for you know the greater good of humanity and for our community. Um, like I, I tell people often that my mentors never said that, oh, Cedric, I'm going to teach you about this aspect of business. Or I'm going to teach you about real estate. I'm going to teach you about that, but you got to pay this monthly fee or you got to pay, you know, my, 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 you have to pay for my seminar. They gave it to me. And so since they gave it to me, I feel like it's my responsibility to give it to somebody else. I, I feel so much the same way. Do you get the same, uh, you know, I'm, I'm speaking kind of a little bit personal now is that when you try to give back and you try to, to, because I feel like you, that because I've been so blessed that I have an obligation to give back. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it just wouldn't be right to comma, you know, uh, I, I really feel that when I, I go and meet my maker and have to, have to, to justify my actions, if I don't give, if I haven't given back because I was so blessed that, you know, things will not go well for me, but people don't get you, you know, at least for me, Mm -hmm. they, they, they always think that there is an alternate, uh, you know, you have a, there's, there's an alternative um, reason why you're doing this. Yeah. Do you get that also? Oh, I get that. And you, you, we all get that. And I, it takes them a while. And after a while, they really get it. I, I, I was working with a branding guy uh, out of Atlanta. His name is Nick Nelson. And we were in our first meeting, he was trying to understand me, trying to figure out, you know, how I'm going to help brand you and that kind of stuff. We did some photos. And so he says, uh, so what's in it for you? What you, you, what you do? What, what, what you trying to get? What, 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 you, what you're after? I said, nothing. What's your angle? Took, yeah, what's your angle? He kept asking me that. I said, nothing. It's like, man, it's like, you know, I'm just trying to, I just believe that uh, as it, especially as it relates to the book that I was, that I've written, that I believe that, you know, God has given me a vision and has given me a, what I would consider a solution to why we as a community seem to be stuck around building wealth, you know? And so I believe that it's, you know, if, if that was given to me, that I'm going to write it and I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to do everything I can possibly to put it in people's hands and hopefully they will see it. And the only thing I'm doing is selling a book. Right. I'm not trying to sell a seminar. In fact, I do social media mentoring through my Black Wealth Growth Challenging absolutely for free. You know, so I don't charge for my time, you know, and my time is reasonably valuable. If you look at how much yeah. money yeah. I make and if you divide that by, you know, uh, 2080 hours in a, in, a, in a year, you know, that rate would be pretty high. But I don't I don't do that because I believe that our community has been damaged so much. We've gone through so much untreated and unresolved financial trauma from people that look just like us, that we don't need any more of it. And if I am the real deal, David, if I say I'm the real deal millionaire, right, then I don't need anybody else's money to make myself richer. I prefer that they use their money to enrich them themselves because building wealth is hard enough by itself that you do not need any more resistance, any more headwinds, meaning my own personal agenda to get our people there. Now, your book is named Why Should White Guys Have All of the Wealth, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And is it published already or where can we get that? The book is on Amazon. You could pre-order it on Amazon. 
and uh, and Barnes and Noble as well as Target.com. You can pre-order. It's titled "Why Should White Guys Have All the Wealth." The subtitle is "How You Can Become a Millionaire Starting from the Bottom," and I mean that. I don't. The book doesn't disappoint. I mean, if you're starting, all you need is a job, right? You need a job and a willingness to work hard and a willingness to make the necessary sacrifices and a willingness to to work on your mindset around money. Um, and you know, like I said, there's no secrets to building wealth. There's only hard work and sacrifice and time. So true. So true. Say, so, guys, we, we have a bunch of people in the room. If you can do me a favor and hit that like button uh, so that we can, that's the one way that the um, algorithm will share this, uh, this interview, this podcast, this, this knowledge that Cedric is, is, uh, is bestowing on us. Uh, Cedric, we have a couple of people in the waiting room, and we have uh, some comments I want to share with you. Let's see. I have uh, the notorious Kevin Brooks. He's saying driving but listening to in Brother David. All right. Thank you, man. We have uh, Randy K. Good morning. God bless. Glad for the collab. We have... Um... Oh, Okay. You got a fan, man. You got a fan. I know she's not talking about me. <laughs> yeah, she said men more than once. <laughs> uh, Loretta has a question. She says that you mentioned in order to build wealth, you should choose a uh, choose slow and steady investment. What type of investment would you recommend for the average working person? All right. So I'm a I'm a firm believer, and I have a thing in my book I call my investment ladder. And the investment ladder shows you as your investable capital grows, the types of things that you can invest in. I think I showed that to you, David, when we were we did, we did. In, a, in a meeting, right? And so what happens is with that investment ladder, it starts with zero. The first thing is get $1,000. Once you get $1,000, it has you, I wish I could show it on the screen, but it has you investing in securities like exchange traded funds, like index funds, like mutual funds like individual stocks, super high quality stocks. I don't believe in risking or gambling, right? And so a lot of the people, a lot of our, our folks in our community felt that investing in the stock market was gambling, but it's really not. If you really look at what you're doing when you're investing in a stock, you're investing in a company that produces a product, produces revenue, uh, pays uh, uh, salaries, that provides a good and services to people. So you're not gambling, you're investing in an actual real company. So I believe in, in, in those super quality companies. And I would say that 90 to 95 uh, or even more percent of your money needs to go in super quality companies. Warren Buffett has a, a famous saying, and he says, rule number one, never lose any money. And he says, rule number two, refer to rule number one. The objective is not to gamble your money and to risk it trying to make money. The objective is to work really hard and invest and save gradually over time so that you build up a base of assets that generate income so that those assets do the work for you. Oh, you found it. Great. So those assets do the work for you. And that's the objective. One of the reasons why we as a community struggle at building wealth is that we don't have a vision for what we're trying to do in the first place. And I've read many and many of uh, personal finance books, and they fall short of providing an overall vision of what we're trying to do with our money. And so I've created my Millionaire Money Move system 
which is really kind of like, it's like a game. It's like a puzzle. And it's designed to have you put the building blocks of wealth together to where you don't have to worry about, you know, you don't have to, you know, you don't, it takes a lot of the thinking and guessing out of it. And it's really more about executing a strategy over time that has been proven to work over and over again for many folks. And so that's really what I'm trying to do. So I really do believe in high quality stocks. And as you see on this ladder here, you start with investing in securities until you build up enough capital to start moving into real estate. And once you have enough money to move into real estate, you can go to single families and multifamilies. And then eventually you can get into entrepreneurship once you build up your capital. And once you get into entrepreneurship, you can move to the next level, which is alternative investments. The objective is to get you to become a level seven investor where you're fully diversified across all different asset classes. And that's when you have a foundation that is unshakable. And that is all in your outline in your book. Yes. In detail. <laughs> With an explanation. <laughs> With an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know that you have a hard stop and we have people lined up. So uh, it, let's, let's go for it. We'll answer questions and we could do this again, you know, on another day. I'm sorry that, uh, that, uh, that we are short on time. No worries. No worries. I'm going to bring uh, Mr. Sullivan here. Are you there? How are you doing? Joel? Oh, you You're sound. Unmute. unmute you. Let me see if I can unmute you. Okay. I'm going to remove you. Um, and if you could check your sound, please. We have Reverend Neely, Dr. Neely up. I know him. Dr. Neely, you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Um, if you could introduce yourself a little bit and, and what is your question? Good morning, everyone. I'm Jared Neely, Reverend Neely. I'm involved with the Black Farmers Collaborative and we're involved in a project with the University of South Florida and Florida Agriculture and Environmental Research Station, which is a part of uh, Florida A&M University. Uh, and we are engaged with the Department of Energy to deploy uh, solar energy with, in combination with agriculture. Mm -hmm. uh, FAMU has 3,800 acre farm. And so they're doing a project up there with uh, Duke Energy building a farm. So we're going to just try to train individuals who are coming out of prison and uh, give them a new career and apprenticeship in uh, a business that could earn uh, somewhere about $70,000 a year. What, what's it. your question, Dr. Neely? My question is, is any of the things that you're doing or investing in or availabilities uh, include clean energy or mm. uh, that kind of uh, industry? You know, I don't invest in those directly, meaning I don't buy businesses that do those types of things. But, you know, if there are securities or stocks that are tied to those things, those things are definitely of interest to me, you know, and um, I love, you know, what you're doing. And I really believe in what, you know, you guys are doing. I think that those are viable, those are viable opportunities, but that's not really where I personally invest. I invest mostly personally in real estate and in my, in my own business in the areas that I'm very familiar with. Oh, you, you, thank you. Uh, you're pretty much a real estate guy. Real estate and, te and tech software, yeah. Mm -hmm. Technology and software. 
Do you think that I know that there's a lot of opportunity uh, coming up in clean energy? Do you think that, you know, I know that you're not an expert on it, mm -hmm. um, but do you think that because that's kind of um, I really see the wave going going forward? You think it's something oh. that someone would, you know, a, a new investor or, or someone that I, I, I'm, I'm a real estate guy like you. So I, I mm -hmm. definitely believe in a strong real estate component. Mm -hmm. But you want to diversify a little bit. You think there's opportunities and just in clean energy? No doubt about it. This, I mean, it's like, you know, um, you, you know, the state of our uh, our planet with regards to fossil fuels and the whole nine yards. So I believe there's huge opportunity there. The tricky part is, is, you know, getting your arms around it. And that's what's so interesting about today's environment. Big money is so powerful. And what I mean by that is the likes of Elon Musk and the likes of Jeff Bezos. These guys get so far ahead of these kinds of opportunities. And then there's also startup firms that are chasing those problems as well. And so as an investor, me, I would personally probably I, you know, identify the top, uh, the top uh, firms and organizations that are solving those sets of problems and invest with those organizations because you know, you know, creating that when I don't really come from that background is probably really not wise from my perspective. Right. I love what you guys are doing at FAMU. I think it's incredible. I love the angle of where you're pulling uh, people who've actually uh, come out of prison and cr creating opportunities for, for them to thrive and to kind of create a, a sustainable income. I love that. And I think it's also a great uh, way to educate students on kind of future the future of where things are going. I think that, you know, clean energy is our future. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Reverend Lilly, you had anything else? No, I, I just thank you so very much and uh, keep educating us. Thank you. And do thank good. you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Reverend. You know, in uh, full disclosure, I know that um, uh, I am personally interested in also uh, the clean energy. I think that uh, there is opportunity in the, in the black and brown community. And I wanted uh I wanted to have a conversation on that to get your thoughts. Um, mm -hmm. So, Mr. Sullivan. Yes, yes. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Now. Happy New That's Year. That's right. Uh, yeah, I got the beard. It's gonna. It's probably gonna come off, though. You know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm. I have. I'm letting it grow. But one of the conditions of me getting a beard is that I'm coloring it. So I, I have brave. <laughs> He's not brave like us to just let yeah, the shine. You know, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm just testing out the whole, you know, Ron Isley look, you know. <laughs> so. Please introduce yourself and, and what, what question do you have? Yeah, so my, my name is uh, Joel Sylvain. I'm also, I'm actually a financial planner, a solutions provider, an advisor to elite leaders like yourself mm -hmm. and um one of the one of the things i wanted to share is um when it comes down to giving back i love your response to that but i i want us to all negate one aspect of the response in that we saying that we give back and we want nothing in return right in actuality let's let's move in intention there is a there is a reason why we're giving back the real reason is because we have values to ensure that, um, you know, our people that come into contact with us 
go to another level. That is the reason why. So I just wanted to kind of share that with you. Great information. I look forward to getting the book itself. But I just wanted to make sure that as a person who's a leader that's that's uh, want to give back, you know, don't say that you're doing it for nothing. Everything is for something. The, the, the reason why is because you want to see the upliftment of your people. I agree with you. Yeah. I saw so I do it for no fee, <laughs> but I do that's it right. for the uplift. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. But thank you. Oh, no. Thank you for your comment. Appreciate that's, that. That's awesome. And, and you know, he's right. You know, we while we may not charge a fee, um, at least for me, I get something out of it because I, I, I like I said, I get that sense that I'm I'm giving back and and helping our community. You know, we have a couple of people here. Let's see. Oh, we have someone, someone Loretta talking about the gray. The gray fox is in. <laughs> <laughs> we have, uh, uh, let's see, Rand is also saying um, thank you. Um, let's in um, 10 plus sounds. Uh, this is another brother. He just basically helping the show out. So you hit the like button. Um, 10 plus sounds is a um, is an awesome guy. I'm, he probably don't want don't want to come up. But uh, he um, is very talented um, um, artist and, and, and YouTube creator. I want to talk about the Black Wealth uh, Summit that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, um, I was uh, I live in Miami part time and I was coming downstairs from the rooftop <clears throat> of my condo and I saw all this energy happening in the lobby. And there was a large financial services firm there registering people. And so I went up to one of the turnstiles and I said, hey, you know, what's going on here? She says, oh, we're having our International Wealth Summit. I said, well, I said, you know, I built up a little bit of net worth. I was just joking with her. How come I wasn't invited? She says, <laughs> oh, well, it's primarily for our, our customers. I said, OK, no problem. So I walked down towards my condo and I was looking it up and it turned out they had Prince Harry and Meghan coming to speak, paid them $250,000 to speak. Turned out Magic Johnson and, and A-Rod and Robert Smith was scheduled to be there. And then later on, I realized this was the conference for their billionaires, right? So this is a conference for their ultra wealthy and billionaires. And I said, wow, this is interesting. So they have a conference. They rent the entire hotel out for about $5 million, bring them in here to talk about how to make more money for them. That's interesting. These are the ultra wealth. They want to talk about emerging markets so that they can have an edge. I said, why isn't there something like this for our community? And so that's when I came up with the idea of creating the Black Wealth Summit. And it took me a few years to get it together, but we end up getting sponsorship originally from uh, immediately from Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan Chase. We had Bank of America, Charles Schwab, Raymond James. You know, the list kept coming and coming. New York Life, um, Lincoln Financial, uh, Truist Bank. So before too long, we had 17 or 18 brands that are willing to give us money to pull a conference together for African-Americans designed, designed to teach them how to invest. And what's even better than that, they were bringing their Black wealth advisors who are actually teaching the sessions uh, where they're teaching things like uh, op, you know, investing in, in, in options and investing in different industries. Um, and I married that with 
uh, some of my other buddies who are investors and knowledgeable in estate planning or in multifamily syndications or public storage or cannabis. So we had an incredible conference last year. That was our year two, 660 people in attendance. We're planning next year's event with a thousand people and our sponsors are enthusiastic and excited about it. We have learning tracks that are designed to meet people where they are. So if we have African-Americans that are just learning to invest, there's a track for them. If we have African-Americans that have been doing it for a little while and have a little bit more money to invest, there's an inter intermediate track and then there's an advanced track. And then we layered in a, la a list of celebrities. We had Damon John from the Shark Tank. We had Ayala Van Zandt, uh, the dynamic Ayala Van Zandt, as well as Angela Yee and David Gardner from The Motley Fool. So that's our format and that's what we're doing. And it's a way to give back. The tickets are like $249. We gave them lunch. We gave them dinner. We gave them receptions. Uh, so it was a, it was an incredible event. Gave them breakfast and lunch and a reception. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you have one coming up right uh, this year. Yeah. We, we have another one coming up in October. We're planning potentially a Juneteenth mini summit with a, a large church within the uh, Prince George's County area in Maryland. So we're, uh, we have a member portal out there under blackwealthsummit.com. We're giving free memberships where people can join our membership and we're going to be doing free Zoominars. All this is designed, we're partnered with our financial partners designed to educate our community on, on building wealth. Say that's blackwealthsummit.com. Yep, and I wanted to say is that we focus on black wealth not necessarily financial literacy. And there's a distinction. And people always ask, well, what's really the difference? And is one a subset to the other? Well, financial literacy is really more terms and terminology, interest rates and compounding and those types of things. Wealth literacy is really around investment strategy. It's really around, you know, even if it's in real estate or if it's in private equity or if it's in um if it's in uh, you know, your stock portfolio or entrepreneurship, it's really about how to acquire these assets, how to manage these assets, and how to get these assets to grow. So, and we talk about banking and we talk about health. We had sponsorship from Kaiser and Cigna and Gilead Science. So it's kind of becoming a health and wealth kind of a summit and, and we're just having a good time with it. I want you to come back onto the show when we get closer. Yes. I want to want to have a whole thing about that because that is so powerful. I, I think yeah. that. <clears throat> so when I became an engineer, we both have a a, a background in in tech. Um, I think that you are a computer in uh, software engineer. Correct. Uh huh. And I'm on the hardware side. Uh, okay. So, uh, and I don't know about you, but when I chose that field there was no role models. I didn't see anyone. There was only three of us. Well, it was four of us. We started <laughs> off with five and we ended up with three, you know, in the whole college. I had the same experience. It's hilarious. <laughs> the same exact experience. So and we can name them. We can name them. Yeah. Yeah. Like this black wealth It's important to see people that look like us doing well financially, building wealth in our community, right? Oh, it's so important. And, and what happens is these advisors, uh, these are advisors that, like I said, Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Merle Lynch, you know, they, they are advisors that are reserved for people who typically have 250000 or more of investable capital. Right. 
Right. And so we've convinced them to say, hey, you know, if people just want to learn to build wealth, you know, come down and basically educate us and inspire us on getting to that level. And so I'm telling, you know, I'm constantly telling the banks that, hey, if you want to have a bigger pool of African-Americans with 250,000 or more to invest in, we've got to build that up. We've got to educate that and inspire that. And so they've been response, responsive to that because most African-Americans who are at that level already have financial advisors. They're already connected with somebody. And so the real opportunity is getting the rest of our community up so that we can eventually you know, close this racial wealth gap or narrow it. And it's, it's a horrible gap. I mean, it's, it's, yes. um, uh, we, we, that's a whole nother show, you know, to go in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crazy. yeah. Our show, uh, we have roughly a 60 40 male, female, you know, um, population, uh, subscriber base. Mm-hmm. How, what, in your opinion, what is the best way that a, a black woman can become a millionaire starting from, from scratch? What's well, the- you have to, okay, the, the answer is, um, it's, it's funny, there's an article that was published in the New York, or in the Washington Post, that said that single black females had a net worth of $5. Yeah, and then now some new reports have kind of raised that number to a certain extent. And African-American women have a difficult time building wealth because often they are left with the burden of supporting their kids all by themselves financially and the whole nine yards. And it's just unfair because the job was not designed for one salary. It was not designed for one parent and one salary. And so because of that, it makes it that much harder for African-American women to build wealth. And so there are different strategies depending on where they are in life. And I am a firm believer that your circumstances should not be a prison sentence for your future. And that there are many African-American women that have incredible talents and gifts that we're never able to see because of their circumstances. And so in fact, you know, David, I'm, you know, I'm writing a series of books. My first book is Why Should White Guys Have All the Wealth? And I've written my second book, which is the manuscript is done, targeted to college, black college students. And then my third book is targeted to 50 and older. Mm-hmm. But the book I'm working on after that is targeting, targeting black women. And so my, 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 um, my real solution is, is that number one priority should be getting their kids to a point where their kids can thrive. You know, because what's happening often in our community is that we are dealing with a large amount of untreated, unresolved trauma. And sometimes we're dealing with the trauma of family members, right? So we're having to take our financial resources and use them to prop up other parts of the family, thereby holding us up. And so because of that, it makes it very difficult for us to move forward until we resolve that trauma. And um, so so my, my point is for uh, for women who have kids who are trying to get through that, that, you know, prop up your kids, get your kids to where they're getting scholarships, put all your, pour all your energy, do the best you can to survive and pour all your energy into getting them up to whether by the time they're 18 and 20 or whatever, they're on scholarships, they're, you know, they're, they're thriving, they're doing their thing. And by that time, you have time for you. And in the meantime, even though you may not be able to save enough money for the opening of your business, or you may not be able to have excess capital by the time they're ready to 
to leave. There's nothing that stops you from having a very good business plan. There's nothing that stops you from developing a list of uh, or a group of mentors that you can learn from that can prepare you so that when your time does come, when your season comes, when your kids are at a point where they're doing their things, you can kind of now dust off that business plan and get busy living your dreams. I just don't think that you should give up your dream because of your circumstance. And so that's that's the thing. What they can do is they can plan, they can prepare, they can write business plans. They could, you know, understand the industries and pick the right industries for their business. I have in my book, you know, because my book is two books. I have my uh, Millionaire Money Moves Investment Supplemental Guide, you know, picking the right business for you. They can identify what's the right business for me that I can go into that's going to generate the kind of income that I want. Is it real estate or is it, you know, or is it some other type of business? There's nothing to hold us back. It's just a timing thing when you're in those kind of, when you're in that situation. Now you're going to have a formal book launch, right? Yes. Yes. We have a book launch and we have 10 cities that we're doing a book tour of which Tampa Bay, which is, I consider my home, my home because I have a house in St. Petersburg. Uh, <laughs> Tampa is on Bay. The map. Yeah. Tampa Bay is on the map. So we are uh, having something set up for Friday the 20th. And hopefully some of the listeners that are there will come out and meet me. And we'll have this talk about this untreated trauma and what we do with this trauma and how we, you know, how we annihilate it, how we annihilate it, how we eradicate it and not prevent it from, from getting us to making millionaire money moves. Loretta says, great answer, Cedric. So um, <laughs> she approves. She's um, Thank you. actually a, um, um, I think that she is a businesswoman also. So, um, yeah. Oh, great, great. I mean, so some, women, some, some women are, a lot of black women are super women. And some women are super, super women where they can run a business and raise a kid and get them, I, I, you know, I've run into women like that that are just amazing. They can run their business and raise their kids and run their household at the same time. That's very, very difficult. I know because a portion of my life in the summer months when my sons were visiting me, I was doing that very same thing. But I, I realized by the time I dropped them off in camp, by the time I got to the office, and by the time I was able to pick them up from camp and get dinner ready for them, right? I had three boys. It's like... I could only work maybe six hour days. So there was no going to, you know, dinner meetings and, you know, business meetings and those kinds of things. It's very, very difficult. I completely understand it and tip my hat off for these super women. <laughs> I love it. You should have said it. You, uh, you. I should have said it. Huh? Now I, I want to get back into uh, because the, the book is so valuable. Um, it it not only here's what I like about it is that from what I've seen it I haven't seen the book uh, the full you know the actual paperback, but it is um, a way that a, a tangible way that you can have a solid step by step by step procedure from starting from ground zero to get you all the way up to the multimillionaires. I mean, it's, it's right there in front of you, but I like that in tandem with the wealth summit, the black wealth mm -hmm. summit, because not only do you, so you, you've been to classes where, you know, you have all theory and, and, and no practice, and then you have all practice and no theory, you know, mm -hmm. this gives you both. It says that, I'm going to give you something that you can read and in and, and, and your time, but then also I'm going to give you the positive 
uh, influences and people that are actually doing it. I love that concept. Yeah, it's important because, you know, when you are changing your financial state, you have to kind of submerge yourself into a whole new environment, right? It's almost like when, you know, you know, I took some Spanish classes and got pretty decent in Spanish, you know, but part of that completed process is to go live in a Spanish speaking country and to where every day, that's right. what you're doing, right? You're, you, every conversation that that's how you learn. And so that's the environment that's kind of needed to kind of learn this new language of finances for some of our people. We've got to be in a different environment. So part of that is you got to pick up new friends. You got to start hanging out with David and myself and people like that and start having different conversations, right? What kind of keeps our community back is that some of our conversations is about hip hop, is about rap, is about these things. Hair and nails. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's about those types of things that don't move us forward. It can move you forward in terms of a business standpoint, but it's too much about those things and not about generational wealth, not about real generational wealth, not about investing, not about teaching the next generation what to do with money. That's so true. That's so true. I want to go back to this. I'm going to add this back to this because this is the step-by-step procedure. I want you to uh, spend, I I know we're wrapping up. We only have, you know, a couple more minutes, but if you can give us a a brief three to four or five minutes on, on, um, do you mind scrolling up? I want want to show you the other one that talks about millionaires versus millionaires. It's the, is this the website that you have? Yeah. Let me, let me get to it. I want to start there. Because that's kind of the overall concept. Millionaire versus non-millionaire? Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm pulling up the right graph. It has a little uh, diagram. Correct me uh, if, it's, um, if it's not the right one, okay? Is... You got it. Okay. Yeah, this is the millionaires versus millionaires. And so one of the things that uh, my book talks about is that a large number of people who will never be millionaires, I call it millionaire money moves, right? The millionaires, all they do is earn, pay, consume, and they give. And that's, that's their entire life. They earn money, they pay their bills, they consume, they buy things, travel, shopping, eating out, those types of things, clothes, and then they give. And so that's their entire life. And they never build wealth. And so the difference is what what I'm trying to do is get people, if you're stuck in this millionaire money moves, then to get them to start making what I call millionaire money moves, which starts with planning. And then it goes from earning and finding ways to earn more money in your main hustle, earn more money in a side hustle so that you can eventually invest it in something that creates an investment hustle. So your investments do the work for you and then saving more and then paying what's mandatory, only what's mandatory, and then minimizing what you consume, what you waste. This is where people, uh, David, they get, they get into big problems with consuming. We're consuming so much. We're assuming, consuming so much. And that's that's hard because marketers are spending billions to get us to stay broke, right? They're spending billions to keep us broke. They're making us feel like we need their stuff. Yeah. Right. From Gucci to Louis Vuitton. And then they they spend billions on celebrities that help do the work for them. Right. And then make us feel like we can be like Beyonce if we buy Tiffany's. Right. Or we can. So yeah. so th- th- they masterfully do that. 
right? And so we have to fight that. And that's a really hard thing to fight. And then you get to invest. And that's why I get to my investment ladder from that invest piece that blows up to that. But the point is to get your investments to create income that then supplements, supplements the money that you earn. And that's getting your investment hustle on. Then you reward yourself as you hit certain milestones and then giving back to the community. If you look in the middle of that, there's a value transformation and there is a mindset transformation that has to happen in order to consistently do this. The reason why people struggle with building wealth is that they're struggling with consistency, right? Because building wealth, it's only about hard work. It's about investment consistency, investing all the time, monthly, every paycheck, you know, putting money away and investing it, even if it's in the stock market, just consistently. And then also investment intensity. And what I mean by that is not, you know, putting $100 in your stock portfolio and $1,000 with Gucci. It's $1,000 in your stock portfolio and $100 with Gucci. It's investing a significant proportion of the income that you make. And then it's time. It's just that simple. Those are the things. That, but you can't be consistent if your mindset is constantly vacillating between the desires that you want, between what marketers are trying to put in your head, between what your friends and family are trying to get you to do. You know, those are the things that 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 hold you back from what you're trying to do and prevents you from being consistent. And that's really what my system is about. And that's how the book is written. It's written to kind of bring that out and to kind of give you insights into the things that you may struggle with so that you push past it. And that's why this book is different because a lot of books talk about what to do with money. Right. They don't talk about how I get money in the first place. Right. And they also don't take talk about the challenges you have uh, with being consistent with it. They automatically assume that you don't have a problem and that you have plenty of money. And all you got to do is just listen to their advice. But I know for a fact, for most people and us African-Americans, it's a little bit bigger than that. So true. So true. And it, it has to, what I like about it is, is that it's coming from us. Um, we short on time, but I, I know I remember when I was matched up with uh, this is when I had my first company. I was matched up with a larger company, much larger company. Uh, and it, you would know the name major insurance person. And, and I was I was matched up with a middleman, not not a, a, the owner or the founder or starter. And he was saying, well, David, you know, uh, why don't you just move the money from this account to that account and this account? Why are you not making these, these things? And I'm saying like, there's one account. It's, all, it's only one account. It's not, it's, you know, you, you don't have all these, these advantages that larger companies have. So um, I know that, that, uh, that is pretty, pretty, pretty important. Yes. All right. So <clears throat> we are going, I'm going to have this final one. Um, uh, his uh, 10 plus sounds saying basically the dollar cost averages with focusing intention. So uh, yeah, basic co-signing what you're saying is so true. Uh, exactly. Any final words, any one last tip as, as we uh, wrap up that you can give uh, to that person that's still on the fence, still on the fence. <laughs> well, the whole point is, is that uh, if you're still on the fence, you know, and, and, and I, I, and I'll be honest with you, my book, you know, can't change a person who is not ready for change, right? Mindset. So your mindset. So you have to be ready for change. And so I tell people, you'll hear all throughout the book, hey, if you're not ready 
to deal with this. If you're not ready to make this change, if you're comfortable where you are doing what you're doing, keep doing it and wait for your breakthrough to happen. I read a book by Tony Robbins. Uh, it was called Money Master the Game. And he says that, you know, a break, your breakthrough can happen at any moment, but it can take years for that moment to happen. And when you have that breakthrough and a newfound uh, inspiration for a, uh, for a new state, for something different for your life, then you're ready to make that change. And until then, there's nothing that anybody can say to you. And so I hope that people will read my book and that it will make change. But if they're not ready for change, just put it aside and keep it close. Because when you have your breakthrough, it can be the tool that you need to kind of take you from zero to millions. Okay. Two last questions. I know that uh, we've actually talked about this. Queen uh, Fabulous says, uh, greetings, everyone. Cedric, does your book address the psychology of wealth? And we talked about that just now with the, with the right. mindset. That's and a great question. It, it does. It talks about it talks about mindset and value set, which is the the foundation of the psychology of money. Yeah. And the notorious Kevin Brooks says, "Sorry, I couldn't ch chat while driving, but this has been an awesome show." And on with that. Thank you. <laughs> I think it has been an awesome show. Thank you so much for coming in. When can we see you next? Hey, hopefully you guys will come out on May. 20th right on may 20th stay tuned um and it's uh what's the name of that place over there in tampa i can't remember the name of the place that we're having it at uh the uh you're going to be in downtown tampa at the encore at the encore that's it yep so uh come out to the encore and have a conversation this is i'm not gonna be sitting there just talking to you i want to hear from you too and we want to solve this and break this down and fix this for our community and fix it for our family and create Real generational wealth, which is not about an amount of money. It's really about the education and about the growth of wealth from one generation to another. A lot of us talk about generational wealth as if it's a sum of money. You know, my grandmother made $200 a month working at a laundry and saved $43,000 by the time she died, $13,000 for her funeral, $30,000 for her grandkids, of which $10,000 came to me. And I turned that $10,000 into millions. And it really wasn't about the money. It was really about the value set and the mindset that was established to do the right thing with that money to grow it. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for dropping that knowledge. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to where we can have that lunch again. Uh, this time it's on you. It's you on know, me. Steak yeah. and lobster, the most expensive place <laughs> I can find in Tampa. But yeah. thank you for coming on. I know that you have a hard stop. Uh, I appreciate you, brother, and I'll see Thank you next you. time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. You guys be blessed. Be blessed. All right, there we go, guys. Thank you, guys. Uh, we had a great show. Um, Cedric is a, a bona fide, self-made millionaire, the real deal. Um, I appreciate him coming in. You know, you get a lot of people that are, are – um, <sighs> what I call paper millionaires. And, and I was, you know, uh, you know, and, and, but it's, it's a certain, um, a certain, the, the next level when you're actually, you know, you can pull cash from the bank that are you know, seven figures or more. Um, again, uh, I, I've haven't read the book, but I viewed the book. It is awesome. It gives details about, 
how to start from zero and to build your million. A lot of us actually start uh, a little bit late in life on building our wealth. And so in the book, and he mentioned this, he says how a 50-year-old can become a millionaire and the steps to take that. So that is awesome. Um, I, um, I think that you should get it. You should get the book. He also has a website where he, he I'm going to add this website back where he talks about it a lot. You can go to his website. Uh, let me. And in the website, it actually covers a lot of the strategies that that he talked about is cedricnash.com. And he goes through everything. He goes through everything. We talked about the mindset, developing your starting point. We, he gives you a budget, determining your net worth. Um, it is so, so intense. And this is on his site for free. Millionaire money moves, power budget. You know, he goes through that. Um, again, uh, it is, it, it's all right there. It's all laid out right there. And then the chart, this is the probably the most powerful thing. The chart is the different levels that you can you you go through you have starting out with level one no money then a little money with 1k and level two and these are the steps level three you have uh 25k 50k 150k 250k 500 half a million in level seven and you you you're you're a millionaire so he actually breaks that down step by step and here is Kevin Brooks says that, well, here's a couple of them. Iris says, uh, great show. Thank you, Iris. I appreciate you. We have uh, Loretta, great show. Thank you. I appreciate you, Loretta. Notorious. I have to have that book. Yeah. Super powerful. I personally will buy it. Um, I'm going to ask him if he has, uh, if he is going to put it on audiobook. I do a lot of audiobooks. Uh, I like it because I'm able to, I'm able to, uh, while I'm driving, I do a lot of driving. I'm able to listen um, as I'm driving. So kind of like uh, getting um, a, a two for one multitasking. And so if it is a, in an audiobook format, um, I'm going to get it. Um, Iris says, I'm ordering the book today. And it's on Kindle. Oh, great, great. I don't have a Kindle. Could you check to see if it's on, on Audible? I have an Audible. I, I can do that right now. But uh, great book. Again, he's going to be back in town on the 20th. On the 20th, um, uh, one of the the awesome, awesome coordinators, Mr. Tampa, Mr. Tampa himself, Andrew, Andrew Ware, he is going to be the facilitator. Um, he put on great events at the CEO. Uh oh, hold on a second. We got something here. It's a free app. Where, where's the app at, Iris? Um, uh, Andrew Ware is going to be uh, uh, putting on it. He is the CEO of World Class Consulting. Uh, you probably know him from his CEO experience events. And by the way, actually, uh, tonight he has an event. Uh, Andrew Ware has an event in St. Pete. I think it's sold out, though. I think that event is sold out. 
But if not, you can go on on uh, um, Eventbrite to see if there are any tickets left. I think it is sold out, but you might look up and get an extra ticket. A ticket. That event is in St. Pete. Uh, but Mr. Nash is going to be back uh, th this month on the 20th. Come out, join him, get him to sign your book, uh, drop some knowledge. And I personally am going to be going to that Black Wealth Summit. Um, I didn't know that. Uh, I don't like cold weather, but, but you know, it's going to freeze a brother. But you can go to this website, Black Wealth Summit. Uh, I'm going to probably go there after the show, RSVP, and so I can have, reserve my seat. But being around people who are doing it and making money is key to your financial success because, really, it's not the money. And, and Cedric said that. It's not the money. It's the mindset. If you have that mindset, you'll figure out a way to make the money. With that, I want to thank you guys for coming. And as always, stay grinding and salute.